May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Be seated. If you're at all um, familiar with the geography of the Mediterranean area, think of Turkey. And the area of Turkey in north-central Turkey is an area that in the, um, the first century was known as uh, the area of the Galatians. Uh, and so the, the Galatian people lived in this area that the, 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 um, the geography was known as that. And St. Paul, one of the, the first missionary to go into this area, hell, began to, uh, to, be, uh, to preach the gospel to the people living there in these Galatians. And, um, and he began to deliver to them the, the message of the gospel, and, and they were converted. Now, this area of Turkey was a, a Hellenized area. That means that everybody who lived there sort of um, lived in a Greek culture. It was as if they were living in, in Greece itself. They had, um, they had uh, all the, the Greek poets. Uh, they, they spoke in Koine Greek. They, those who could read would read in Koine Greek. Um, they they worshipped the Greek gods, uh, Artemis, Aphrodite, Apollo, and Zeus. Um, they even had Greek theater, and so they would be entertained by Greek culture. The the plays that would trans you know kind of come out of Greece and and throughout the, the entire uh, um, you know Hellenized world. And, and this is the, the type of people who lived there. They were they were thoroughly Greek in culture, in thought, and all of that sort of thing. And Paul goes in. Uh, somebody who has lived in both the Greek world and the Hebrew world, and he goes in and, and he's able to preach to them. He, he can speak the language, and, and he can actually give to them the gospel in a way that makes sense to them. And he sort of overturns the whole apple cart of their lives, because the gospel comes at the Greek culture in such a, a, a stark and a contradictory way. The whole culture was kind of be, uh, against the gospel, the whole idea of a pantheon of gods, uh, the the entertainments, and, and all that sort of thing. And Paul comes in and he brings to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people's lives are radically changed. Um, and the thing about Christianity that was so distinctly different from their religions, because the people were very religious. It wasn't like um, in our world where, where we really have this onslaught of secularism. I, I think, just as an aside, a greater evil. Uh, it, secularism takes away uh, anybody's ability to believe. And so it's, it's an awful evil. But in, in the ancient world, people believed. They, they, were, they were religious, but they believed in a, a pantheon. You know, they, they believed in many gods, a, a polytheistic world. And Christianity comes with this God who will not sit down next to these other gods. Zeus was happy to ha- allow you to, to worship Aphrodite. Uh, to, he was happy to share his allegiance with the other gods. But not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible would not have this. There was, if it's going to be either the God of the Bible or you can have your, your polytheistic world. And Paul comes along and he, he preaches the gospel and people, um, they turn to Christ. And, and it was a radical, radical change in their life. But Paul was a, a missionary and, and missionaries are busy. They, they come, they, they preach for a while and then they, they have somewhere else to go. You know, they're, they're, they're taken off to do the next thing that God has called them to do. And this is the case in the Galatian area. Paul left, and after he left, some people from Jerusalem, who were Christians, but who had believed that being a Christian meant that you continue to hold on to all the vestiges of Judaism. They come in behind Paul, and they begin to preach to the people who had already believed in Christ. And they said that to the people who had, who had turned, Paul got you off to a good start, but he didn't give you the whole message. There's a little bit more you have to do. 
Here's a new calendar. This is the way you organize your life now. These, these festivals and feasts, you have to keep these. And so they would, um, you know, tell them about Passover and about uh, tabernacles and all these. These are the way you organize your, your, your calendar. And here's your new diet, you know. You, you have to keep kosher. Everything from now on has to be inspected by a rabbi. It has to be made sure that it, it is uh, parts of meats that are acceptable in the Old Testament. And, of course, there was the issue of circumcision for men. These are the parts that Paul didn't tell you about. I know he told you a lot. Good thing. They actually believed in Jesus as well, but you have to add the rest of this. It's, it's, it's a missing piece that you need. This really angers Paul. It angers him so much that he writes one of the snarkiest letters in the New Testament, in the, the letter to the Galatians. If you read it and you kind of were um, keyed into his language, it, it's very sanitized in English translations. We, we like things to be sanitized, <laughs> so it is. Like when he says, you... Stupid Galatians. We translate it foolish. It sounds better. It's a little softer. But he says, you people who don't know how to think. You non-thinking people. How, how have you been so easily tricked? So he he's, he's really kind of comes at it very hard. And he makes this big argument. The argument is essentially you cannot add anything to faith in Jesus Christ. If you add your own kind of actions, your own works to make you better, then you have nullified the, the, the grace of Christ. Listen to what he says. If you have your bulletin on page 6, the, the New Testament lesson, um, the very first verse, verse 23, here's the argument. Now, before faith came, see how it begins? Before faith came, Paul is saying there's an event that happened. An event that happened, and we are living in the post-event world. We have now lived in an era where faith has arrived. Before faith came, there was a different thing. But now, something has changed. Well, what happened before faith came? What was going on? We were held captive under the law. Remember, the issue is circumcision, kosher, calendar, all the sorts of uh, things from the Old Testament. Paul says, before faith came, yes, that was an issue. But now something has changed. We were held captive under the law, imprisoned. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? I mean, nobody wants to be in prison, right? The, the law as a captive and a prisoner. But that's really not a very, again, not a very good translation. Before faith came, I would do this. We were protected by the law, kept safe. You see the difference? We were protected, kept safe. I looked at, at Eugene Peterson this morning. I didn't know why I didn't check him earlier, but I thought, I wonder what he did. And I grabbed the message off of the, the he says, we were carefully surrounded and protected. I like Peterson. He gets it right so many times. Yeah. When you agree with me, you get it right. Anyway, it, it, this is what the, the law did. It kept us safe. It, it protected us. It was, verse 24, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came. Um. Uh, this word is uh, uh, is pedagogos. It's where we get the word pedagogy or pedagogy. The law was our was our pedagogy. Some translations have it tutor. The law was our tutor, but a tutor is not really even a good word. Uh, uh, pedagogos in the ancient world was um, this servant who worked for the family, and the servant um, would would mind the children and would make sure that the child got from home to school. <laughs> he was the one who, who kept their eye on him, you know. I understand what that would be like, you know, to, to have somebody who would watch the kid 
go from home to school to make sure that he got where he was supposed to going, be going. This, Paul says, is what the law was for us. It was our guardian. It made sure we got from where we were, we were started to where we were heading. It was important that it had, had sort of a, a guardianship effect to it. So what, Paul? Do you throw out the whole Old Testament? Do you throw out the prophets and the Psalms? Do you throw out the Ten Commandments? No, not at all. But we remember what they were there, what they're there for, that they are there as a guardian, as a guide. The men from Jerusalem would say, faith in Jesus is good, but you need all these others. Paul's central argument is there is nothing you can add to faith in Jesus Christ. This is how you become a Christian. This and this alone. Verse 25. Look at this one. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Because faith has come. This is all about entrance into the kingdom. How does a person become a Christian? They become a Christian by faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. But here's the issue. It's not just about coming to faith. It's not just about entering into faith. If you had the whole chapter in front of you, I'd turn you back to to the beginning. Listen to what he says. Another, oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's a rhetorical question, right? By hearing with faith. That's how you receive the Spirit. That's how they became Christians. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you now being perfected? How did you begin? Oh, began by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how are you going to be perfected? I wonder how many of us wake up in the morning and think, hmm, I want to be perfected today. <laughs> I want to be, it's not, we don't even think that it's actually an option, you know. Perfect is not an option. We don't even check it off as a possibility. Paul is saying, how many of you are reaching towards your goal? I, I've mentioned this before in Thomas Merton's autobiography. He, he has this uh, struggling uh, issue going on. He, he, he has a, a sense of call. He doesn't know what it's up to do whether it's to be a monk or to be a university professor or whatever. And so he's with his friend, and they're walking through the streets of Manhattan, and he's, he's talking to his friend, and he's telling him about this, this issue. And his friend says, well, what do you most want to do in your life? And Merton says, that's the problem. I don't know. You know I, I, and he says, well, no, you should know. And Merton was on to him. He said, oh, I suppose I should say I should be a good Catholic, you know, a good Christian. And his friend says, no, that's the wrong answer, too. What you should say is, I want to be a saint. That's what you should say. That should be your goal. That should be everyone's goal. And I think a lot of us, so sometimes, myself, you know, I'm no saint, I can't, you know, as if to excuse myself. Uh, You know, I'm not there yet. Well, fine, but are you on the road to there? Are you journeying, is that your goal, your aspiration? Joe, are you working towards holiness? Are you, are you aspiring to it? This is Paul's point. Not only does a person come to faith in Jesus Christ through faith alone, but this is how they advance in the faith as well. Advance. That there is some change that happens in our lives. It makes us a different, qualitatively different kind of person. Another thing is, is that if we know this, then we understand that this message isn't just for us. It's for the whole world. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. This is a message for the whole world. And it ought to inspire us in the mission that we need to take this message to other people. That There are people who do not know this, who go through their life every day not knowing that they can be freed from the things that enslave them. Anger and self-loathing, addiction to, to, to drugs and alcohol and sex and whatever else, food. All these, that the talons of evil can be released. I don't know if you've ever been, I had a friend who was in AA, and I went, he, he invited me to go to a meeting with him one time. The most fascinating um, you know, hour I think I'd spent in, in a long, long time, because here were people who were totally addicted to alcohol. They could not get free of it, except for one thing. They came to believe that there was a power greater than them that could do for them what they could not do for themselves. And they would stand up and say, my name is Tom or whatever, and, and, and I'm an alcoholic. And they would talk about prayer and how it freed them, this belief that God could do. You know what? If, if, if they could believe that for alcohol, what could we believe it for in, in all sorts of things? That there is nothing that could ha- have a hold on us that we cannot be freed from because of faith in Christ. Third, that this ought to pr- help us to, to no longer live with mediocrity no longer live with mediocrity in our own spiritual lives, that we ought to strive to to be qualitatively better people because the grace of Christ is available to us. So that we ought to be more tolerant, more understanding, more loving, more forgiving, more ready to, to let go instead of seeking revenge. That it ought to make us want to be like Christ in this world. To know God, to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. The good news of the gospel is this, that God can do something for us, right? That he can, he can do something for us. We are no longer enslaved. He has set us free. But also that he can do something in us, transform us, make us different kinds of people. See, for Paul, faith is not an intellectual exercise. It's not just saying... Oh, you know, I, I've read a few books. Um, I've come to the decision that the, the world was created. It, it had to be. I mean, I can give you really good reasons why you should believe in God. But Paul says, no, that, that's not what faith is. Faith is not an intellectual exercise. It's not a, a, a you know, kind of a, a mental gymnastics. It, it's an actual life-altering event that changes absolutely everything. That's what faith is. And that kind of faith is itself a gift from God. It makes all the difference in the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.